Hey everyone, thanks for listening. We got an episode for you today. Um, there's something about Mary. So just kind of all the all the standard uh, content warnings that go along with that. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of jokes at the expense of the intellectually disabled or the physically disabled kind of uh, are part of this movie. Uh, the entire plot of the movie hinges on stalking and manipulating and, and uh, gaslighting a woman, essentially. Uh, so also be aware of that. And then there's just a lot of jokes about cum. Uh, that last one is not a trigger warning. That's actually uh, something to look forward to. Jokes about cum are hilarious. Uh, enjoy the show. No animals or humans were harmed during the following preview. Not even the fake ones. Honest. Are you going to the prom? I, I don't... Yeah, I think proms are I thought maybe we, um, dumb. we could go together. Oh, you're going to go with, like, a bunch of people? or <laughs> Yeah, you want, like, a designated driver? I no, no. <laughs> I mean, you and me, we could go together. Why do birds suddenly appear? When I was 16 years old, I fell in love. Oh, no, I, no, no, I wasn't. Ah! Oh, we got a bleeder! I would say uh, if you're not on board with the very beginning, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough to get on board with anything else that happens. <laughs> this film. movie was a slog. Um, I mean, we'll, t- I, we'll, we'll talk about it because I have a complicated set of feelings for this movie. Um, oh. Although I, I believe this is the first time either of us watched it, right? Yeah, this is my first time watching it. Okay. Uh, complicated set of feelings for this movie. Um, it absolutely should not have been two hours long. There is absolutely no reason. I am Could've... so glad you said that because yeah. I thought that I had somehow lost consciousness and then oh. came back and then it was still on. But not it was only... just bad. <laughs> Not only could you have cut 30 minutes, but I think it's, like, pretty obvious, like, which 30 minutes would have been the easiest to cut. Like, the just Ben like, Stiller oh, yeah, getting this... arrested storyline? Right, right, exactly. It's like, well, you can lose the arrest storyline. You can you can pretty much lose the entire thing about Cameron Diaz's brother, I think. Yeah. Um, you can lose the dog, quite frankly. I mean, yeah. that doesn't add anything. Like, there's just, there's a lot of fat here that was <laughs> you not know, crammed. You know what else they could have lost? Just all of it. <laughs> Just backspace the whole thing. <laughs> not even, not even, not even select all and then delete, but just no. manually backspace. Just so they can feel the pain that I felt watching this movie. <laughs> delete it all. It's I don't understand how this was so popular, but I guess you know people who love come love it. It's incredible. Okay, so first of all, <laughs> please don't make sweeping statements. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry for generalizing a whole group of people. A whole group sorry of people that who love so talking many... about cum. No, they just love cum, not just talking about it. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, the success of this film um, outstrips basically everything else we've ever watched combined. It's unfathomable <laughs> it's, to it, me. It, except maybe what women want, but, uh, but I- incredible... <laughs> how much money this movie made which reminds me we probably need to change our twitter avatar which is mel gibson <laughs> i just i don't know i still like mel gibson doing yoga uh <laughs> people I are gonna still... be like they're pro mel gibson podcast we should put that in the bio <laughs> we are yeah. not a pro I... mel gibson twitter 
We're just we're still waiting for him to turn it around, folks. Uh. <laughs> If you're new, welcome to Probably Should Have Known Better. Yeah, we, thank you. We don't want to turn off the first time listeners I know, sorry. right away. <laughs> welcome to our show where we celebrate comedy that has aged pretty badly. Uh, today, I don't think it's a celebration, but I am here to commiserate with the sage butter sauce to my ravioli, Tony Ginocchio. Well, thank you so much, and I am uh, pleased to be joined by the ravioli to my sage butter sauce, Nadia Vasquez. Yay! I always forget to introduce myself. I have, I feel like I'm in this place, I'm like in my early 30s, and I'm realizing that I have a corporeal form, but I don't identify with it. I just want to be the entity that's like in the vessel, you know? It doesn't have a name. I think you're on to something here, because I think what you said kind of summarizes how I feel. Because we before we started this episode, folks, we were talking about being in our 30s. And I think the best way to summarize it is, like, I wish I didn't have a body. Yeah! It's like, an interesting... It's, like, not body dysmorphia, because I have that in a different way. But, <laughs> but it's definitely something where when I see a, my reflection in something, I start and I say, that is me. And it's just so jarring. And I have to, and I remember things like I have a name and I have a, you know, I have things that I identify as and that's weird because I don't think of those things. I just want to like exist, man, you know? Yeah, it's, it's complicated. And it's like, if I didn't, if I didn't have a, but not to get deep too early folks, but if I didn't have a, and trust me, this is as deep as it's going to get given the movie that we are yeah, watching. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, <laughs> If I didn't have a body, like, I wouldn't be worried about the pandemic. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, like, scared of, like, I have to keep my job so I can provide for my family because I wouldn't have to worry about a job. I wouldn't have a job. Right. I wouldn't have to worry you about You wouldn't need it. You wouldn't have yeah. to worry about food. You wouldn't have to worry about any kind of responsibility. It would just be yeah. like, mm, I'm part of the ether, man. Right. right. I don't know. I think I, could, I get into that flow if I'm doing some sort of creative activity. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, that's cool. Yeah. But you can't live in that flow all the time. <laughs> well, I'll tell you who does live in that flow all the time is the Farrelly brothers. Oh, and just... my God. Is what they do the flow? <laughs> and, and in 1998, uh, the top grossing movies of 1998, number one, Titanic, mm-hmm. which came out the previous year, but Hell of yeah. course, you know, had many people seeing it multiple times. It was a massive, you know, highest grossing film of, of all time when it How first came out. How many times did you see it in theaters? I saw it once. My wife saw it, I think, seven. Okay, my sister saw it, I think, 13, oh and I gosh. went with her nine of those 13. It's I not a young. short movie either. No, no, but Leonardo DiCaprio, that yeah. started... The he's a he's a fucking baby in that too yeah that started the obsession you should have seen yeah. my room in 1998 <laughs> um titanic number one movie number two movie armageddon another oh. blockbuster i've never seen that uh it's you know tiny teeth we we all know <laughs> where it's going 
number three movie of the year, Saving Private Ryan. Oh. Um, you know, huge Oscar Beatty film, you know, big mm. Tom Hanks production, uh, World War II honoring the heroes, and the number four highest grossing film of the year. The highest rank of any movie we've ever watched is There's Something About Mary by the I, Farrelly Brothers. I just want to start this by saying, and the listeners probably know based on my tone, that I fucking hated watching <laughs> this movie. And so it is unfathomable to me that it was so successful because it is so bad. And I yeah, love just, Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber is one of my faves. But I, it's, it's like a totally different level of stupid. Just for scale, folks, when we talked about I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry and Hitch, which actually let's go Hitch. Hitch, I think, made about one hundred and seventy million dollars to right. own global box office, right, right, which was right. a huge, huge, massively successful film. Even though the film is stupid and dumb and doesn't make any sense, this movie made one hundred and seventy-six million only in the U.S. And uh. then its total gross worldwide was three hundred and sixty-nine million dollars. Oh my god. $369 million. I, I would rather watch Hitch on a loop, which I probably could if I just turn on VH1. Turn on VH1, yeah, for, exactly. <laughs> for like 87 days than to watch this movie ever again. This it, is one of the 25 highest grossing R-rated movies ever made. I, w- I wish that we could do one of those, you know, like Jimmy Kimmel walk on the Hollywood Boulevard type interview shows for this podcast. And just be like, have you seen that movie? What do you think is funny about it? Because I don't get it. (laughs) Uh, One of the most influential comedies of the past three decades, I would say, easily. I know I said that about Clerks, too. It's true of both films. There's no question this film ushered in a whole era. American Pie came out the year (sighs) after this. Um, Austin Powers' Spy Who Shagged Me was around this time, too. Oh, that was good, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all three of those films combined have a lot of jokes specifically about cum in them and (laughs) if you go back and listen to our episode on american pie we read roger ebert's review and it's literally him going like are we entering the age of cum (laughs) right 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 um Uh, yes just an incredible success for uh just a, a film that uh should not have been made defies easy description <laughs> i would say uh i like that in between every fact you have about this movie it's just me complaining about it i promise i won't complain and i'll have actual yeah. reasons why i didn't like it <laughs> but i just i just don't get it do you, now do you want to take a swing at the plot summary nadia um sure <laughs> <laughs> okay Ben Stiller, what uh, what's his character's name? Ted. Ted fucking Ted. Ben Stiller plays Ted, who is this guy who is just like a little bit of a of a loser guy. He's kind of nerdy and he wants to do well with the ladies and is genuinely very nice and sweet. Yes, he's a kind man. Yes, which we all know is not a thing. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Sorry. Um I'm just bitter. He knows this woman or girl named Mary in high school and she has a um a brother who has who has an intellectual dis unspecified intellectual yeah, disability it's a vague a vague one and <laughs> asks her to prom and then he gets his junk stuck in his zipper at her house 
Uh, and then they lose touch after that, after he goes to the hospital. And uh, eventually he's so hung up on her that he can't concentrate. He has no goals in his life. And so he hires a private investigator, played by Matt Dillon, to look her up. But instead of actually giving him the real information, which is that she's doing very well, she's an orthopedic surgeon, she takes care of her brother and all of the other uh, people that he lives with in his home that he lives in, in Miami, Um, and he starts to stalk her instead and manipulates (laughs) her into liking him, tells Ben Stiller that she is uh, not who he thinks she is, that she's... she's Poor, fat, has four kids. Yes. And so Ben Stiller is like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to go help her because I'm a sweet guy. And he ends up going down to Florida with his friend, played by, uh, what's his name? Chris Elliott. Yeah, from Schitt's Creek. Uh, Yeah. And then they go down um, to talk to her. And eventually she's like, ooh, I think I like this guy better. There's a lot of other guys who are into Mary who are obsessed with her and stalking her and manipulating her. A lot of plot twists where you learn that another character in the film has actually been stalking Mary this whole time. Right. And then at the end, uh, every, everything comes to light. Chris Elliott is actually her original stalker, from college uh the one who made her change her name and actually move away uh and he has like a foot fetish which is interesting and (laughs) and then uh we also find out that cameron diaz's character mary uh was in love with someone named brett but (laughs) but uh chris elliott's character lied and said that he brett would not be able to be with mary if she, she didn't uh keep taking care of her brother but it actually ends up being Brett Favre, and that ended up being a lie. And Ben Stiller sacrifices his love for Mary and says, you should just be with Brett Favre. Because with legendary Green Bay Packers quarterback, yes. Brett Favre. Uh, this sounds like a fake movie, but it's really what it's about. And then at the end, she actually goes to Ben Stiller and chooses him because mm-hmm. he is the sweet, nice guy, and it, she is would be happiest with him. This is a real movie. There's a part where there's cum. <laughs> I forgot yeah. to mention that. Yeah, there, we'll, we'll get to it. Um, that yeah. is, that's the vague, there's a lot of detail in between that we'll talk about, but the whole idea is we are going to manipulate a woman for two hours and yeah. we're going to love it. The entire premise of the movie is is very fucked. Like, it's, it's just... It, it is a movie based on multiple people stalking and deceiving the same woman. Um, now, it, it is also a movie with Ben Stiller in it. I believe the first one we've covered with Ben Stiller in it. Yes, and, that's right. A comedy-heavy hitter. Yes, and my general rule with Ben Stiller films is that the movie works in inverse proportion to how smart Ben Stiller's character is. <laughs> So, yes, I agree. I so agree. Movies where he's an idiot, Zoolander is obviously he's a complete idiot, and the film is I would say perfect. So we would say perfectly made. Yeah, uh, and it's pretty uh, great. and then movies I feel like I can't get into any of the Noah Baumbach stuff, like uh, movies where he's like a, a hyper uh, neurotic. Um, smart, uh, but also nervous guy. Like, that doesn't do it for me. I want him playing a dumbass. Okay, but what about those parts in the middle, like a Meet the Fockers, where he's kind of an idiot, but he's also smart? You know, I haven't seen Meet the Parents in years. Um, And when I watched it, I was like a a tween, probably. Yeah. And I, I, um, 
just did not didn't did not get into it um so i would be interested to see what i what i think of it if i watch it again maybe we could do that for season three that would be i think an excellent selection but before we get into the details of the film um and before we kind of go scene by scene and talk about how appalling everything is um (laughs) do want to talk about uh, what else have you been watching to perhaps rinse this out of your brain to get you through continued quarantine nice Um, that's a great that's a great transition because i did actually watch something right after so that I wouldn't feel so sad. I watched Palm Springs on Hulu. Oh, yeah. And is that, I've heard it's very good. It's fantastic. It's very well acted. Andy Samberg, I mean, I have a a deep, deep, deep love for the Lonely <laughs> Island I have since high school. And, and rightfully so, so, I would say. I feel like everything they've ever done has been one of my favorite things. Uh, Popstar is actually my favorite movie they've ever made. I think it's so good. But this one, it's a lot more dark. It's a lot more ridiculous. And it made me think in a way, this in that same way where we started this pod with the energy of like, I just want to be in the ether, man. Like it kind of takes that whole idea and made me just so stoked. I really recommend it if you guys haven't seen it. Yeah. It's, on, it's on Hulu. It's free. It won a bunch of awards and all these film festivals and it's well-deserved. All right. What about you? Well, um, you know, I've, I've been talking about this a couple times before, and then uh, anyone who follows my Twitter has probably seen this, but I have been uh, continuing to leech off of my parents' Disney Plus subscription. Nice. Um, and, you know, since we're in our 30s, Nadia, a lot of the, like, kind of second golden age Disney movies were in theaters when we were kids, right? Little right. Mermaid, Lion King, like, we saw those in theaters. Right. Um. But I uh, wanted to revisit some of the films that I had that came out before I was born that were just like in VHS clamshells in my house that I would just watch over and over again when I was a kid. Ooh, okay. Um, So I've been watching a couple of these films from the 60s and 70s. This was an era when kind of one of the in-house directors at Disney Animation was uh, Wolfgang Reitherman, born in Germany, immigrated to America. He worked on 101 Dalmatians, he worked Ugh. on Jungle Book, he worked on Aristocats. So um, but I watched two of his recently, so immediately before recording this episode, I just watched Sword in the Stone. Oh my gosh, um, isn't it amazing? It is very good. Um, it's uh, the the climactic scene, which is the wizard's duel between Merlin and Madame Mim, is really remarkable animation for its time, I think. Yeah, um, it's, and, and, it's one of my fave Disney ones i think just the animation style and yeah. and the voice acting in it is so Vo- yeah the voices are great merlin's great um archimedes Arthur, archimedes the sassy gay owl they don't say he's gay <laughs> but you can you can assume it's coded um, and then the other and so that was from 63 and then the other one i watched like maybe two weeks ago came out in 73 still holds up kind of has a cult following now i think which is uh, same director and it's robin hood oh what a great one i love that like every time i think about that i think about when they suck the jewels out of the king's rings. yes yes <laughs> um great great movie so much fun even now uh if you guys remember this one robin hood is played by a fox and maid marion is played by a fucking fox okay so- <laughs> no but that that is a weird thing about that movie is it does have this everybody like kind of remembers it and remembers like oh yeah i was kind of vaguely horny for either robin hood or Maid yes. marion yes <laughs> um and the film if you watch it 
not horny at all. No, not at all. But but they were just so charming and they they were just they were just so confident. <laughs> Um, there, so, I have seen a lot of horny Robin Hood memes on Tumblr. Yes. So yeah. I am, I'm familiar with the people who are a little more intense yeah. than what we have said. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Robin Hood is so much fun. Um, love that one. So that, that's been like a really kind of pleasant, um, sort of throwback. That's amazing. Um, are you going to go into the kind of post popular, like at the post Mulan movies, like the Atlantis movie? Are you going to end up doing that generation? Because I feel I rem- like I dropped off around that time. Well, because we were kind of aging out of it. But yeah. I, I, I remember liking Atlantis. Oh, um, you've seen it? I haven't even seen it. I saw it like in the theaters. I remember liking Atlantis. Um, my My sister loved Mulan and oh, so uh, wore out the VHS on that. Nice. Um, and majored in Chinese language in college, possibly because of that film. Whoa, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> the only thing that I learned from that is that it's okay to be bi. <laughs> but, you know, also, we, all, we all get different things out of it. Also true. Um, <laughs> probably Donnie Osmond's best role, if we're being <sighs> honest. Yes, uh, we are. Um, so, uh, but no, the post, uh, kind of the post peak, you know, after the, uh, Alan Menken, Howard Ashman musicals in the early nineties, um, you know, I, I would have to revisit some of them. I know Tarzan's in there. I remember Tarzan yeah. being all right. Um, there were a couple other like weird outliers. Home on the range, I think was one of them. Right. Um, I remember but... mostly soundtracks and the songs that they were like, obviously Tarzan yeah. and Phil Collins. Well, that was and... all Phil Collins. The greatest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I really want to revisit those. Maybe we should do a second podcast just about Disney movies. I would be fine with that. I mean, and honestly, let's be honest, folks. There's overlap between these two subject areas. Like, <laughs> Peter yes. Pan fits in both podcasts. Let's you be honest. You don't like Peter Pan? Uh, no, Peter Pan's a good movie, but uh, perhaps you don't remember the song What Makes the Red Man Red? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't know if that one is actually on Disney Plus, or if they were like, uh, this one's staying in the vault with Song of the South. I know for sure that it is because it's in my queue, but I haven't okay. sat down to watch it. Maybe they cut it out. Yeah, maybe, maybe give it a watch. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Uh, we got some ideas for season three. Uh, but, you know, uh, you, you talk about all those great films, and, um, and they've won all these awards. You know, Beauty and the Beast was the first animated film ever to be nominated for Best Picture. Um, well, well in an deserved. era yeah well deserved in it, it lost to silence of the lambs which is basically the same movie yeah. uh, in an era where there were only five nominees for best picture where there was no category for best animated feature film and speaking of award winners when you talk about a film that won a new york film critics circle award for best actress an mtv movie award for best performance an american comedy award for Best Actress, the Blockbuster Entertainment Award for Best Actress, uh, nominations uh, for the Golden Globes for Best Actress and Best Picture, uh, winner of the MTV Movie Award for Best Movie, and in the AFI's, again, like the most prestigious film school in the country, in the AFI's 100 Years, 100 Laughs, America's Funniest Movies list, coming in at rank number 27, you know that we're coming back to There's Something About Mary. Did you spell coming C-U-M-M-I-N-G in your notes? Please assume that for 
every instance in this episode where I say the word come or coming, regardless of usage, <laughs> it is spelled like the bodily fluid. Oh my god. I really don't get it, but okay, okay. I Look, believe here, it. Here's what I'm gonna say about this movie. I don't like this movie. Yeah. Um I'm like I'm not gonna watch it again. Like I, I have I'm in no hurry to watch it again. Right. Um I respect this movie. Oh, uh, and, uh, and I did me, not expect you to say respect. Let me explain that I've been watching for this podcast shit like What Men Want, and I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those movies are like studio products, right? It's just right. like it's literally like Adam Shankman didn't wake up and say, "I want to tell a story mm-hmm. today." He right. said, "He said the studio hired me to put Taraj P Henson in a ve- in a vehicle." And I'm going to just slap together stuff that I think works and we'll have the actress's riff for part of it. So I don't have to like finish the script. Right. Taraji. Taraji. Yes. Well, I was saying it the Italian way. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He was thinking of, I want a second house out of state so I don't have to pay income tax. Right. That's exactly it. Yeah. 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 I feel like the Farrelly brothers woke up and said, I want to make this movie specifically. Okay, like, well, here, that, I'm, it makes sense what you're saying, but I don't understand why this story, I don't get it. I don't, like, what are they trying to say? You know, when I, you're watching, like, I don't know, Moonlight or even, even Palm Springs had something to say, but I don't know what this one would have to say. Look, I've, look. I don't want to get into comparisons between this movie and Moonlight because so many people have done that before. I don't. I don't want to get into that. Okay. I mean, there are there. Both of them have time jumps. Yes, true. Right. But <laughs> that's as no, far it, as it goes. I think. I think this is literally like a movie about two guys just trying to crack each other up when they were writing the script, mm. um, and that isn't a good reason for a movie to make 369 million dollars but i think it makes it better than what men want you think that this is better than what men want yes i do i'm putting my marker down yes i do wow i was Um, gonna say i think this is better than i now pronounce oh no that i now pronounce you chuck and larry is better than this no that's bullshit Um, no and also also there is one line in this film that is so funny that I wish I wrote it myself um, for some other thing, and I'm sad that I will never get to write it. Um, and we will get to that okay. in a moment. I was waiting. Me a little intro. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, former current. So this is a movie from 1998. 1998. I don't think we've done any movies from 1998 before. I don't think um, we have because so- when I looked it up, I was so excited. <laughs> So, Nadia, what was going on in 1998? Okay, guys, buckle up. 1998 was a fucking ride. Let me tell you. Okay, I I remember this vividly. I was a tween, so the hormones were raging, and I remembered everything from this list when I looked it up. I went on Billboard, BuzzFeed. I go on a bunch of different websites to find fun little facts. I almost got too many this time. 1998 was jam-packed with so many good factoids. The first are the top songs. I generally do that, but listen to the songs that came out just that year. Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls, which is the top song of the year. Such a good one. Love that one. Candle in the Wind by Elton John. 
Savage Gardens truly, madly, deeply. (laughs) (laughs) Janet Jackson's Together Again, which was her big comeback. Will Smith's Getting Jiggy With It. Casey and JoJo's All My Life. Shout out to Cal State Roller Skate Roller Palace. (laughs) That's where I used to go and dance to 90s R&B and uh, skate around also. Next, Too Close. Do you remember that song about having a boner? No, I don't. (laughs) so good seems like it'd be in my wheelhouse but no it really would brandy and monica's the boy is mine this is big okay yeah aerosmith don't don't want to miss a thing from armageddon Armageddon, yeah dude bare naked ladies one week oh really wow this is stacked it's stacked there's more lauren hills doo-wop that thing great one one of the all-time great albums for sure following up with uh celine dion's my heart will go on also one of the all-time great albums. Or wait, no, that, was, that wasn't that was off Falling Into You. Uh, but also a good song. <laughs> that is a great album. Listen yes. to this. Cher released Believe That Year, which is oh, the wow. first big song that used auto-tune. Yes, that's right. And the premiere of Britney Spears' iconic single, Baby One More Time, and NSYNC's release of I Want You Back. So this is really... It all started for you. It all started for it's it's huge. The top shows of that year were ER, Friends, and mm-hmm. Frasier. All NBC Thursday nights, yeah. It, exactly. So this Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone came out that year. Yes, the book. The book. Yes. Uh, this was also the year of Bill Clinton and yeah. Monica, and the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Speaking of cum. <laughs> Why? Oh, that was good. Yeah, and that was the extramarital affair resulted in an investigation and eventually led to the impeachment hearing of Bill Clinton by the U.S. House of Representatives. And as we all know, he still was the president all the way through. Yeah. Until the very end. Uh, Uh, This also started the Y2K fear. Yes. There were two years of Y2K fear. Apparently, Leonard Nimoy uh, hosted a show that was talking people into how to prepare for Y2K starting Mm -hmm. that year. Uh, this is also the year that N64 and Furbies were the biggest Christmas gifts. This is wild to me. I can't believe this all happened in one year. Uh, Frank Sinatra, Sonny Bono, and Phil Hartman all passed away that year oh. in very different ways. Yeah. Uh, ben Affleck and Matt Damon, Ben Affleck and his tiny teeth, they won an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting that year for Best Original Screenplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, TRL premiered on mtv this is like what is this year like it was like the year of the most creative stuff okay the final episode of seinfeld aired that year and Mm -hmm. the first episode of sex in the city premiered on hbo jerry aka ginger spice left the spice girls that year and started a solo tour uh the two things that i found interesting that weren't a part of my uh purview back then was on April Fool's Day that year, Burger King published an advertisement for the left-handed Whopper, where the condiments of the Whopper were supposed to be rotated 180 degrees as to avoid spilling out toppings from the right side of the burger. And apparently people were flooding. I remember this. People were flooding the restaurant so that they could get their left-handed Whopper. Couldn't they just turn it? (laughs) Well, that's why it was an April Fool's joke, I guess. But, like, yeah, that's dumb. That's dumb. Also, uh, for the Stern fans out there, hey now, the, the there was a uh, 
a poll of people's online 50 most beautiful people and uh all of the stern fans voted hank the angry drunken dwarf as the number one person and because people uh people magazine are just full of cowards they wouldn't let him be on the cover so they named leonardo dicaprio the true cowards move (laughs) can you imagine he won by over two hundred thousand votes so it was by a landslide so good good on you howard but what i'm just imagining i'm just imagining the man cow uh write-in campaign where man cow was and for those of you that don't live in chicago man cow is a long time shock jock and competitor with howard stern here since i was a kid and he's still on now um and he sucks he just is <laughs> awful but uh i can imagine him trying to one-up stern and like just doing a write-in campaign for himself and getting like five people to write in no that's so sad but it's probably true yeah <clears throat> i i am just i couldn't get over i left out so many other things but 1998 was stacked i it's no wonder that i personally got into pop culture in general at the, around this time because there was just nonstop good stuff Some good pop culture and 99 it's, you know you follow that with 99 which is a great year the uh, year of the backstreet boys it, millennium album right in music in movies you have all these great films come out in 99 um and matrix fight club she's all that being the big three and uh they just um yeah it was it was yeah. late 90s were very fun i feel like i wish that i had been stuck in a time loop in just those two years, like yeah. Palm Springs style, because going past that time was not good. No, pretty much, pretty much everything after that has been a, a pretty I'm gonna steady say, decline. I'm going to say it started declining in 2001, and you know when. <laughs> <laughs> just right around the time George W. Bush gave the go order. Yeah. Uh, so but yeah i i'm very this is the most excited you're gonna hear me in this episode 1998 fucking rule dude but let's talk about the movie and folks uh one thing that i actually do like about this movie is that it has a narrator and the narrator is a musician and the musician is jonathan richman hey beloved singer songwriter uh, uh, the front man for the modern lovers. I just lo- love seeing him in a movie. That's great. This is a white person reference because <laughs> I don't know who this person is. Oh, you'd like Jonathan. I listen to Jonathan Richmond music with my daughter. Like oh, you'd like him. Like okay. like uh, his solo album "I Jonathan," which is like from early '90s, is delightful. Just absolutely delightful. Okay, I'll I'll give him a fair shake. Anyways, we open. Rhode Island. Ben Stiller is Ted, a goofy, brace-faced, long-haired young man. Uh, Mary is a beautiful young woman played by Cameron Diaz. Um, And he does an act of kindness for her slow, simple brother. (laughs) Um, I, I don't like the trope of using some sort of disadvantaged person yeah it, it's really bad to today sh- to, to watch it <laughs> to show to show why someone else is good it's 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 a lot yeah, i was the, i immediately was just like oh here we go man yeah the word uh the the word retard gets thrown around a lot in this movie 
um, and uh, the character who has this intellectual disability in the movie is often the butt of the joke. Yeah. Um, and it's not great to watch that today. No, not at all. It's um, it's also just so vague. Yeah, I mean, and, and we don't know what's wrong with it. He just um, likes listening to headphones and uh, talking about baseball and has a weird Giovanni Ribisi and the other sister voice. <laughs> Um, I feel like if they had cast Giovanni Ribisi in this, we we would have gotten a little nuance. Imagine how much elevated, how, how <laughs> elevated this movie would be. <laughs> ben Stiller, like, tells a bully not to make fun of him, and, and Mary, uh, who is clearly out of uh, Ted's league, uh, is just really touched by that, and she asks Ted to come to, to prom with her uh, senior year. So he... Um, he goes to pick her up in his fancy tuxedo. Uh, Which is and, tan and taupe. Uh, yeah. Just, that, that did make me laugh. The, yeah, there's, a couple, there's a couple good lines here. Um, but uh, then there's a series of misunderstandings <laughs> and then a horrifying accident. <laughs> yeah, so... <sighs> Warren is Cameron Diaz's brother and he was looking for a baseball in the first scene and so Ben Stiller because he's sweet and thoughtful brought him a baseball but instead of just giving it to him tried to do that magic trick of taking it from behind his ear but Warren doesn't like when people mess with his ears and so he freaks out on him and throws him into the coffee table and destroys the living room basically and uh just beats the shit out of him just yeah. yeah and so you know ben stiller's like well i'm just gonna go to the bathroom to clean up a little bit uh and while he's peeing he's looking out the window and sees some turtle doves that are in love and he's like i'm gonna have the best night ever but then they fly away and so he's actually been staring at cameron diaz undressed yeah cameron diaz is, is fixing her dress and it looks like he's um but staring Tom. at her with his dick out um while uh she's getting dressed so yeah. hilarious misunderstanding he's embarrassed by it and so he's like shit i gotta make this right and just immediately goes to zip up his pants it turns out a little too fast uh because yeah. he his scrotum <laughs> gets just horribly enmeshed in the zipper which is apparently based on something that actually happened to the Farrelly brothers friend at one of their parties oh okay that was very specific yes um and i will say the way this is treated is interesting because it's like 10 minutes (laughs) one it's a very long scene but every like you have multiple scenes of people coming in you know to figure out what the hell's going on and seeing ben stiller and ben stiller's shot from behind seeing ben stiller and going oh my god it's horrible and like you're like oh this is how they're gonna do it they're not gonna show it they're just gonna show people reacting to it and then i fill it in with my imagination i get it that's funny that's how movies work and then eventually they just do show it (laughs) yeah yeah you know the funny part is is that i wanted to fast forward and then when I saw that, I was like, oh, I should have fast forward. <laughs> I was just like, I'm just going to pretend I've seen this movie and tell Tony that I did. When I really just fast forward through all of it. I couldn't believe that they did that. Yeah. That's obviously the R rating. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a couple other scenes. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. 
uh, one line that was funny is when the dad, uh, uh, Mary's dad calls in Mary's mom to the bathroom. He's like, she's a dental hygienist. She'll know what to do. (laughs) So they had, it was, uh, the stepdad came in first. Yeah, it's Keith David. Yeah. Then the mom, then they called the ambulance or was it a firefighter? (laughs) No, a a cop like came in through the window. He's like, I heard some yelling. Right. (laughs) He came in through the window and then a firefighter. And it just mm-hmm. nonstop people c- climbing in, and that the the build of that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but then they showed it, and I was just like, I'm off this. <laughs> I'm off the train. <laughs> um. So, uh, anyways, they try to unzip it, and they end up having to take Ted uh, to get surgery. It's um, so sad. And uh, and he never sees Mary again for 13 yeah. years. Yeah, and she just... had she had to move. But yeah. we're what we're actually hearing is the story that he's telling his therapist. But his therapist hasn't been listening because he snuck off into the other room to eat a sandwich, <laughs> which I thought was really good. The so this, le- legendary character actor Richard Jenkins yeah, in he, one scene. He slips right back in with a napkin yeah. uh, inside of his shirt, like a bib. And and uh, pretends that he's actually listening to what Ben Stiller's saying, and then makes a gay joke, and then the scene ends. <laughs> yeah, and and you know it kind of gets to I think the central question in the film, which is you know thirteen years have passed since he's spoken to Mary or even seen her, um, and he's still in love with her. So is this a sweet story about a guy who's still in love with Mary, or a story about an insane person? Well, let's talk a little bit about Mary as a character she is i think possibly the first cool girl character that we've seen yeah that's a good point she she likes beer not light beer regular beer she loves sports she talks to ted about how she loves the 49ers uh and like knows a lot of details about it. She's also very cool because she hangs out with her brother Warren and, you know, goes and takes food to various people. Like she's just a, a, a do-gooder who also likes boy things and like meat on a stick, stuff like that. Yeah. So so I guess this starts the whole trend of the cool girl in comedy. There's something to that, I think. Because I don't think the character of Mary is particularly well-written. Yeah. Uh, and, I, you know, that's why I was surprised to see, like, a lot of acting nominations for Cameron Diaz. It's not that I think she's bad, but I don't think she does, like, a, a particularly stunning acting job, and she doesn't have a ton to work with. Yeah. I think she, um, she can't because she right. is given the bare bones. But what she is given is, like, every man's fantasy. A woman right. who drinks alcohol. And is lo- hot. And is hot, loves to fuck, and... <laughs> Uh, like, eats meat. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so Ben Stiller, like, agonizes over this. He talks with his friend Chris Elliott about it. He still can't get over her. And then Chris Elliott says, hey, you should, um, like, just hire a private investigator and find out where she is and what she's up to. And you know what? If she's married, if she's with someone else, then, you know, you can get over her. Yeah. I Um, mean, this is 1998, folks. This is before Facebook and Instagram and stuff. They have to, you have to do things in a much creepier way. Yeah. (laughs) So Ben Stiller meets the private investigator, who is the person who I think did deserve all the acting awards for this film. Yeah, yeah. Though he's really good. Matt Dillon (laughs) and his tiny mustache. With a pencil mustache. (laughs) Um, Matt Dillon, some fascinating choices in his career, really. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I like him in Beautiful Girls. 
Uh, I don't think I've seen Beautiful Girls. He he won an Oscar for playing a racist, sexist cop. I'm aware that there are redundancies in that uh, in <laughs> Crash. And he the other thing that I, I know him best for is playing the long-haired grunge rocker in Singles, the Cameron Crowe film. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. He, he does a lot of weird, zany things and then, you know, does his serious one just to yeah. make himself feel better, probably. Yeah, but he's fucking hilarious in this, I thought. Um, and he has, I think, the best lines uh, in the movie, too. But um, but his character is so despicable. His, his character is an awful human being. <laughs> so despicable. He, he goes down to Miami. He meets his contact with the dossier, who is, of course... Jeffrey Tambor. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, and basically, like, I get that he's a PI, but um, spies on Cameron Diaz to an extent that is clearly not okay. Yeah, yeah. I think once he sees her in her window without her bra on, he's yeah. like, oh, yeah. Well, this is also a scene where we do get full frontal nudity, but yes. it is fake old lady boobs. Yes. In the neighbor that Cameron Diaz has. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so what he's doing, basically, his stalking technique is to use like a tiny satellite to listen in on all of her conversations to find out every detail that he can about her, her job, anything else. Uh, listens to her phone conversations, follows her to lunches with her friends, including Sarah Silverman. Sarah Silverman is in this. And the woman who plays Olivia Pope's mom on Scandal is in it. She is so good. <laughs> She's a great actress. Like, good for her that she got this role. Uh, but yeah, it mostly... Oh, and then he follows her to... Of course, because she's a cool girl, she likes to golf. So he yeah. follows her to a driving range and actually speaks with her which i don't think the pi is supposed to do <laughs> um so he he does all that he overhears a lot of those key cool girl aspects that nadia just described like she's talking with her girlfriends about how like she likes sex and she likes golf and baseball and she likes drinking beer um and he he basically um i don't want to say falls for her because that suggests a level of emotional investment that i don't think he has yeah he's a sociopath so <laughs> Right, but he hears, he hears like, I just wish, I, I, I wish I could meet a guy who's just willing to pack it all up and move to Nepal on a whim, and is, like, self-employed, and, like, all, he, he hears her list all the qualities that she wants in a man. Right. He eats hot dogs. Uh, yes. <laughs> and so, Matt Dillon makes a decision, he's gonna go back, he's gonna tell Ted all this bullshit about Mary to throw him off the trail. She's in a wheelchair. Uh, she's got four kids by three different men. Uh, she's going to be a mail-order bride to Japan uh, because she weighs 400 pounds, and there's a big sumo culture there. Right. <laughs> um, and then uh, he packs up, and he moves to Miami. And Ted catches him like on his way out the door. He's like, wait, where are you going? And he's like, uh, I'm, uh, I'm moving to Miami now. Uh, and Ted's like, why are you moving to Miami? He's like, well, I got a new job. With who? Uh, Rice-a-roni. Rice and Ben Stiller says the line that I wish I had written myself. <laughs> Isn't that the San Francisco treat? <laughs> I did laugh at that, too. It's such a... It's so dumb. It's so but dumb. But it's such a good line. <laughs> it's so dumb, but it's also 
you know all of us have said that anytime. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly why it's perfect. It's like when when he said rice aroni in my head, I'm like, they're not Miami, that's the San Francisco treat. <laughs> Yeah, you know, for for a private investigator, Matt Dillon really isn't a good liar. No. And, and that really sparks a lot of suspicion from Ben Stiller's character. He's just like, what what's going on? But he's also really bummed out because Mary is just not, you know, he, there's no hope for her if she's, you know, fat and in a wheelchair and has kids yeah. as far as he's concerned. <laughs> but then he's actually a really nice guy. So maybe none of that really matters is kind yeah. of is is yeah. kind of, is where he go, where he so, lands. So he starts thinking like maybe I will go down to Miami anyway, just to find her, just to see like maybe I can help her, maybe I can do something. So he starts driving to Miami. Matt Dillon's beating him there, and um, honestly, I think the funniest sequence in the film is Matt Dillon trying to impress Mary. Oh my God, it's so painful. Uh, it's just. <laughs> Just um, just him being like, hey, do you have change for a dollar? All I've got are these damn Nepalese coins. <laughs> and she's immediately like, oh, my God, you've, you've been, been to Nepal? Nepal? <laughs> um, he has just blueprints falling out of his car. He's like, oh, yes, I'm an architect. Um, and, Ugh, uh, you know, it's funnier when you describe what happens than when I was watching it. Yeah, cast me, Farrelly Brothers. Uh, and then... <laughs> The other line, and I feel bad saying this, but I am going to say it, it's delivered so perfectly, is when he just beams at Mary. He's like, you know, I work with retards. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, isn't that a little politically <laughs> incorrect? Um, and he just, like, keeps improvising from there, which is like, uh, you know, we let him out of his cage, like, once a day. There's plenty of room for him to dig. <laughs> just it's, awful. It's just awful. awful. shit. Um and uh and uh ben stiller is on his way down let me see i, I want to make sure i'm doing this in the right order because you know the order is really key um <laughs> in, in this film oh uh the other piece is when ted learns the truth he he finds out that mary is not fat in a wheelchair right when he's still up in rhode island he um he's like talking to a colleague that met her at an orthopedic surgery conference he's like oh my god Matt Dillon lied to me. He he said he was stalking Mary. He was just down there closing the rice aroni deal the whole time. <laughs> yeah, so he goes and tells Chris Elliott that yeah. that she's down there and that he's going to go. And Chris Elliott all of a sudden starts breaking out into hives. And he's like, what's going on? He's like, yeah, I'm just really stressed out. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Planting Interesting. a seed. Interesting. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Um, we already said that Chris Elliott ends up being her old boyfriend. I don't know why I'm teasing it. Um, yeah, her old so, stalker. <laughs> so Ted uh, heads down to Miami, picks up a hitchhiker on the way. Ugh. We could have cut this whole part. We, I think we could have cut some of this. I mean, one of the lines. So first of all, the hitchhiker's holding a giant duffel bag. We don't know at the time there's a body in the duffel bag. Uh you may not know this, Nadia. It was actually Cameron Diaz's body in the duffel bag. <laughs> is it really? Yes, it is. She was in the duffel bag for the film. Um, but there is, like, one iconic line here where the hitchhiker has this get-rich-quick idea where he's... <laughs> <laughs> he's going... like, do you know 8-Minute Abs? <laughs> All right. Well, 
we would do seven, seven minute abs. Seven minute abs. Guaranteed. Like, Guaranteed you'd get a better workout with seven minute abs. And if you don't like it, you'll get the last minute for free. And it's like, it's dumb and it's funny and you kind of laugh. And then Ben Stiller's like, yeah, I guess unless someone comes up with six minute abs. And, and the, then he <laughs> loses his mind. <laughs> Hitchhiker's brain just shatters. <laughs> This is kind of where I feel like the movie is just like a bunch of sketches all in one thing. I think, yes, I think that's a very accurate way to describe it. Yeah, but I, I, I liked this stuff better than the actual A plot, I guess. You can call this like the B, C, D, E, F, G plots. But this one was the one where I was just like, oh, cool. Like, maybe this guy will help. I mean, I've never seen this movie, so I'm thinking maybe this guy's going to help ben stiller and they're gonna like out crazy matt dylan or something and that did not happen because ben stiller pulls over because he's so freaked out by this hitchhiker that he goes to pee in the butch the bushes and yeah. it ends up being a gay orgy <laughs> just a massive line of men getting blown uh that the cops like show up at immediately after ben stiller pulls over then trips and falls so that he's kneeling in front of another man yeah so that it looks like he's part of it great he's right. like wait no I, I there's a whole thing but all of a sudden the hitchhiker disappears once he sees the cops yeah and the duffel bag is left in his leaves car leaves the duffel bag in ben stiller's car also one other good line um from matt dylan here when he's trying to woo uh mary is he had heard mary say her favorite movie was harold and maud Ugh. um and so you hear Matt Dillon tell her at one point, yeah, movies aren't what they used to be. I wish they still made classics like The Karate Kid or Harold and <laughs> Maude. <laughs> yeah, Matt Dillon's performance in this film is very good, guys. He's, he's very good. And if we're going to use this movie as proof that Joe Rogan's joke about men not actually like giving a fuck about women but but changing their personality to fit into being someone that yes. she wants to fuck like this movie is that <laughs> yeah absolutely thank um, you joe rogan <laughs> you know we say it in every episode but thank you joe rogan <laughs> yeah um, so so ben stiller is taken to the police station and is being questioned by some this doesn't even look like cops they look like they're from like the fbi yeah because they found a body in his car. And it's great because the cops don't say, we found a body in your car or we're questioning you about the body we found in your car. They just ask him questions. And Ben Stiller thinks he's being asked about picking up a hitchhiker, which is illegal in that state. Right. And it's like, how, how many times have you done this? Oh, I don't know, maybe 25, 30? <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. And, and they're just like, this sick son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, but eventually, and then he, you know, gets thrown in jail, and eventually yeah. he gets let out because it all was a misunderstanding. Yeah, and Chris Elliott picks him up um, and drives the rest of the way with him. He's now covered in hives. Just absolutely disgusting. Yeah, seems to be really nervous about something. Hmm. Mm -hmm. He was Mary's uh, stalker. He was Mary's mm -hmm. original stalker. Mm -hmm. um, and meanwhile, Mary gets a letter... Um, telling her to break up with Matt Dillon because he, like, is a murderer. Yeah, well, okay, so on one of their dates, Cameron Diaz takes Matt Dillon to this, like, architecture, uh, like, museum or, like, exhibit or something. Yeah. And because he's an architect, obviously. <laughs> wink, wink. And 
runs into her friend who is on crutches for some reason. A lot of crutches jokes in this movie. Yeah, and gets a lot of information from Matt Dillon that's just a little off about being an architect. <laughs> this guy apparently is a professional one. Yeah, British or accent, so, Or so we, we think. <laughs> and uh, eventually this kind of rouses the suspicion of the friend and he goes to do his own little investigation. Apparently he knows people at the Boston PD at Harvard University and he's asking all these questions and tells Mary, this guy is not who he says he is. Mm-hmm. But later, <laughs> we find out that neither is that guy. He's actually no. a pizza delivery boy who it, delivered something to Mary once and has since and been obsessed became with became obsessed her. with her. Yeah, it's great. Um, so uh, Matt Dillon's not a murderer. Tucker is this character's name. Is not a cripple. And he's also obsessed with Mary. Can we um, not use the word cripple on a probably should have known better podcast? Well, I'm just saying that's what they call him in the film. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, I'll uh, uh, probably leave it in. Uh, maybe I'll cut it. <laughs> maybe I'll I'll bleep out me saying cripple and I'll leave in you saying can we not say cripple? <laughs> no! <laughs> I don't want to be the one who says it. Uh, so... But Ted makes it down to Miami right after, like, she breaks up with Healy. Or she doesn't break up with it. She just, like, ghosts him. Yeah. Um, And makes it down and finds her and asks her out to dinner. And she's like, you know what? I would love to. Yeah. You're a sweet guy. I remember you being super sweet. Yeah. So, and in fact, uh, Warren, the brother with the intellectual disability, remembers him, right? Yeah. And she says he doesn't remember anyone. Yeah. Uh, which also seems, like, problematic uh, to put yeah. in the film. Yeah. Um, so we get to another one of the iconic, I guess, scenes in the movie, uh, which is... Iconic. Which is right before... Well, you guys all know the scene I'm talking about. Yeah. Right before... Ted's staying at a hotel, and Mary's going to meet him in the bar at the hotel. And he's staying with Chris Elliott, and and Ted's like, oh, I'm just nervous, man. And Chris Elliott's like, what, you haven't jacked off yet? You haven't cleaned the pipes. You clean the pipes before a big date, uh, which is insane advice. It, it, it uh, really is. <laughs> just, I have never seen, for, like, like I, have, I remember there's an episode of Master of None, another show which has aged incredibly well, <laughs> uh, in which Aziz Ansari jerks off before he goes on a date where he knows he's going to fuck the girl at the end. Like, and that is still, I think, bad advice, but almost makes sense. This doesn't make any sense. Well, the logic is that he will be in post-nut mind clarity so so that he can actually participate in the date. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's that's the logic. Um, So Ben Stiller jerks off to like a lingerie ad in the newspaper circular um and i'm gonna say we probably didn't need as much camera time on ben stiller that was jerking a long off. long long take <laughs> probably didn't need as much of that he uh reaches the end and then uh he says where the hell did it go classic ghost load (laughs) the one part that did make me laugh is when he was looking around he's like looking on the floor looking on himself on his like clothes looking on the sink and he looks at the ceiling and then behind the door (laughs) (laughs) that really really got me i'm like okay um 
so anyways mary comes to his room he opens the door and she's like oh what's that on your ears that hair gel it's his cum she's like oh i need more hair gel she grabs cum <laughs> off his ear she puts it in her hair her hair sticking straight up uh for their date classic that uh, iconic iconic i will say the other thing about their date is it did make me thirsty for an ice cold glass of pepsi <laughs> i think at this point in the movie i'm like debating turning it off <laughs> it's just a real weird real weird product placement in this scene and then you're like where is this all going um and then also like mary's like throwing herself at ted she's like you should just move here we should get married yeah because he's fun and he eats hot dogs yeah, and they're, they're eating corn dogs, and again, that refreshing, delicious Pepsi, where the logo on the cup is facing <laughs> right at the camera, and they're just, like, it, it's just weird. It kind of feels like the Farrelly brothers knew they had to put a love story somewhere in this, yeah. um, but they just rushed it as much as they can so they could get to the dick jokes. Yeah, yeah, I don't... I personally don't see how she could have started liking Ben Stiller when she's the one talking in all of the scenes. Yeah. He never gives up any information about himself. We know nothing about Ted, really. But she is talking about how much she loves meat on a stick and how there needs to be more meat on a stick versus yeah. uh, instead of, like, a corn dog, there need to be more things. Nobody brought up kebabs, <laughs> which I thought was just not okay. So this movie is also racist. Um <laughs> I was like, kebabs are literally meat on a stick. What the fuck? Uh, oh. But yeah, she, for some reason, she's just really, I think maybe because he actually listens to her and doesn't, you know, it doesn't have that smarmy kind of, hey, hey, kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't know. Who knows? Uh, I don't know. Whatever. Meanwhile, Matt Dillon is like throwing pills of speed into uh, the window so that the dog, into Mary's window while she's out on the date with Ted so that the dog will attack Ted when Ted comes back. Um, but also Mary's roommate, uh, the speed lands in her drink, so they come home. The roommate is vacuuming aggressively. <laughs> the dog gets into a fight with Ben Stiller. It's it's like a tiny, like, terrier, and there's this extended fight scene where Ben Stiller's, like, dropping an elbow on him and stuff. There is one thing that made me chuckle, which is where Ben Stiller went for the Three Stooges eye poke. Yeah. And the, and the dog blocked it with his paw. <laughs> yeah, there were some moments there that were good. And eventually he threw the dog at the window. <laughs> of course, uh, because of course he did. Uh, in the trailer, and I'm sure it's going to end up at the beginning of this episode, in the trailer they do have a disclaimer at the beginning that was like, no animals were harmed in the making of this trailer. Oh, very good. Yeah, a little yeah. tongue-in-cheek there. Um, they end up growing closer together. They keep going on dates. They go to a batting cage, which is the most aggressively 90s date uh, imaginable. Because <laughs> um, she's a jock. She's a cool girl. She likes yeah. to golf and do baseball. He hangs out with her brother more. Um, and then she finds out that he hired the private investigator. Yeah, she was really letter. upset. Am I a bet to you? Am I a fucking bet? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, no one's going to do it better than Rachel Lee Cook, but, like, you know, that's still a good analog. Um, he, so she kicks Ted out. And then uh, Ted run. like, how does this work? He runs into Matt Dillon and into the pizza guy, right? Yeah, yeah. They. Uh, he goes to 
Jeffrey Tambor's apartment and Jeffrey Tambor's not there? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't get that. I don't, I don't I don't get Oh, oh, oh. It's because Chris Elliott gave Ben Stiller uh Matt Dillon's address at mm, the, like at mm. the beginning of when they first got, went to Miami. So Ben Stiller's like I'm going to kick his ass. So he goes to that address. But it's actually Jeffrey Tambor's house. Yes. And Matt Dillon is also showing up with the pizza delivery guy to to be like what the fuck what's going on? Yeah. And Ben Stiller's hiding behind the door and he's like what the and it's just them saying what the fuck to each other and not making any kind of moves to beat each other up (laughs) yeah the pizza guy who we thought was an erudite architect with a bow tie and crutches the pizza guy wrote the letter to drive ted away and he wrote the letter to drive matt dylan away and he drove brett the as yet unseen uh ex-boyfriend ex-fiance in fact away um and meanwhile, while all of them are arguing over this, Chris Elliott shows up at Mary's place. Oh my god. Chris Elliott, I find to be just gross. He, with, he, with, he's with, so good at playing a gross person. He's just the most disgusting. His choices are just fucking disgusting. And I love it. That's what, that's what makes Shit's Creek work. Yes. But in this movie, it was just like, oh man, this is a little too much. It was a little too creepy. And Cameron Diaz, I agree with you that her acting choices weren't award nomination worthy because she was just like not really like reacting in a way that I would react if someone that looked crazy and was covered in hives was <laughs> was just like behaving in her house. And she's like, you're not supposed to be here. You uh, you know you have to be 400 yards away from me. And the light bulb goes off. This is the guy that she had to move away from mm-hmm. in college because he was her stalker. And twist. the twist is he also is obsessed with her feet and Super her shoes. Super into her feet, yeah. And he apparently stole all of her shoes <laughs> and said, there is something that you can do for me before I leave. Give me your shoes! <laughs> There was like it's implied that she he's going to attack her, and maybe yeah. do other things that are just unfathomable. Very aggressive towards her, yeah. But it's in, unsettling. But instead, he just wants her shoes. So yeah. you have like a a bait and switch there that I just did not like. Yeah, just a, a classic uh, skid into a benign violation, what we would call in in comedy theory. <laughs> a benign um, violation. But uh, but anyways, all the other guys show up and they're like, wait, what the hell's going on? And they understand. And then <laughs> Mary's ex shows up, Brett, who is Green Bay Packers quarterback Brett Favre. Yeah, he shows who- up because Ted goes out of his way to find him. Now that he yes. knows that all of that was a lie that kept Brett away from Mary and they were engaged. So they obviously must love each other. And Ted's a good guy. So he brought him and said the right thing to do is to have you and Brett get back together and the rest of us will just have to agree that you have to choose who you want and it's probably going to be brett since you were engaged and we're all going to step down and all the other guys are like okay cool yeah which is a little i think is a little weird i feel like if we're gonna go this zany for the movie all of them have to die somehow (laughs) (laughs) that would have honestly if all of them died i would have laughed my ass off that's what i'm saying like maybe they all kind of they and all because murder each other. one person does get murdered at the very end, I did laugh pretty hard at that. <laughs> um, but So imagine that multiplied by six. Um, but anyways, so Ted is like, you know what? You belong with Brett. He's the right man for you. And, and I care enough about you to let you go. So I'm going to leave now. And what a leave, nice and he, guy. 
You see him leave and then just immediately begin weeping as soon as he leaves. Yeah. Um, this is, I think, the one of the first instances in comedy where we've seen a simp. <laughs> uh, Nadia texted me this morning just the words simp biscuit. <laughs> it was like 2 a.m. And I just... Well, I, I, was I didn't bed. get it till I woke up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just awake thinking about Simp Biscuit. <laughs> um, so Ben Stiller leaves and starts crying. And Mary is like, Ted, Ted, she comes down. She actually follows him. Goes after him. You think it's going to be this beautiful movie moment, but she says, you forgot your keys. <laughs> Which is honestly also kind of funny. Yet another bait and switch, which was great. But then she says, no, I think I would be happiest with you. And then... Yeah, incredibly rushed ending to the love story. Yeah. The love story? Okay, let's think about it. There's the scene... The love story takes maybe 20 minutes of a total two-hour movie. I was going to say, I think it's only four scenes that they're together. Yeah. There's the scene outside of her of her work there's the scene in the bar there's the scene with the dog (laughs) and i think the ending scene yeah right well and then the you did the prom oh well i didn't count the prom but i mean of like yeah yeah, i see what you're saying yeah yeah Yeah, her deciding that she's the one or he's the one that she's gonna pick yeah i mean it's really like i said i i think this film is intended as just peter and bob bobby farrelly trying to crack each other up yeah um and you know for some reason they tricked audiences into thinking there was a story here there's not a story here. <laughs> um there's not and as uh ted and mary kiss at the end jonathan richmond comes back into frame playing his guitar singing the theme song there's something about mary and then mary's roommates the guy who was sleeping with mary's roommate is like what that mary's my girl i was only sleeping with you to get to mary pulls out a gun Shoots at Ted, misses, goes high, hits Jonathan Richmond, who falls over backwards into the Atlantic Ocean. Blackout credits. Yeah, that's the end. <laughs> you know, you know, I would have much rather have had this movie be about Matt Dillon's character. Matt Dillon was really funny in this movie. I think I would have preferred to see like his backstory and stuff. Yeah. Versus the Ben Stiller love story. If we're gonna if we're gonna really go for it, I want to know what's going on there. Yeah. Um, Matt Dillon's hilarious. The line "Isn't that the San Francisco treat?" does kind <laughs> of make the whole movie worth it for me. <laughs> like I said, I'm not gonna watch it again. No. But I I respect that there was a vision here what? that I don't see in a lot of studio products. Tony, the vision what is, is the vision? Crass, and it's lowbrow, and it's like we're just gonna see how uh, how much we can gross people out uh, with uh, sex jokes. But I like I don't feel like they took any studio notes when making this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. For me, I think Ace Ventura is funnier than this. Interesting. I and, and you know Ace Ventura, I kind of feel similarly about. Because I didn't like Ace Ventura, but it's another one where I'm like, there's really nothing else like this at all. Yeah, well, I mean, for for There's Something About Mary, you could arguably, you could argue that Dumb and Dumber is very much similar. Okay. I haven't seen Dumb and, I, I haven't seen Dumb and Dumber. Are you serious? I'm sorry that I had to go this long without telling you. 
Oh my god, Tony. We have to do that. Okay, well, season three. Season three. <laughs> Dumb and Dumber is such a good one. It's funny because I don't I don't see how it's made by the same people. Like I do. The styling and the the I guess caliber of jokes. <laughs> but but I think because Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey are such good actors. Yeah, that I mean, that's the other thing is you have two incredible actors elevating that material. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, I don't know, Matt Dillon did a great job. Maybe if it was a different actor than Ben Stiller, possibly. Cameron Diaz was fine. I have no, I had no complaints about her. I think she was somebody that a lot of people disliked because of her role in My Best Friend's Wedding. <laughs> and the way that people felt about her from that movie carried on to a lot of her other movies and people were just like I don't really like this girl but she's great <laughs> I have no resentments towards her but maybe maybe my problem is Ben Stiller yeah. it's po- like I said the movie works in inverse proportion to how smart he is and yeah, he is yeah. not a complete dumbass in this film no he. I guess you could say he's the straight man yeah I mean in many ways yes yeah um okay so you want to do reviews <sighs> yeah okay, i i so. like don't i don't understand how you would like this more than ace ventura <laughs> let's talk into let's get into the psychology let's, of tony ginocchio we we've spent <laughs> too many episodes getting into the psychology of tony ginocchio my brain is just an empty attic full of puppets but the <laughs> Uh, first review, uh, Joe Garden writing for the AV Club. Um, now see, this I don't think you're gonna like, Nadia, because it opens with the sentence, Dumb and Dumber was too annoying to be funny. Wow. Uh, Kingpin was funny, uh, Kingpin was Fairly Brothers' second movie, uh, when Bill Murray got his screen time, but the moment he was off, the quality laughs were hard to come by. In both movies, none of the characters were likable, and neither had much of a coherent story. What they did have was a gross-out sensibility that would make the Farrelly brothers millionaires by appealing to the lowest common denominator. Having honed that sensibility, the Farrellys have moved into the realm of endearing characters and a reasonably acceptable plot without sacrificing a single dick joke. Uh, And so uh, the Farrellys deliver visual and spoken gags at a relentless pace, no subject is taboo in its quest to make the audience laugh and cringe at the same time. Just when you've recovered from one scene, another jumps off the screen without any sense of condescension in the joke's delivery. Uh, there's something about Mary feels as if the writers, directors, and actors are all enjoying themselves as much as the audience is, and the casting is nearly perfect. There's something about Mary is one of the funniest movies of the year, but you may need to shower afterwards. And if you think that's a gushing review... Please don't say gushing. Uh, sorry. If you sorry, if you think that's a coming review, check out <laughs> Pete Travers. Pete Travers of Rolling Stone. Uh, so this is look. Pete Travers has written movie reviews for Rolling Stone for, since I think 1911. Like, it, it, but this is like this is him saying that. There's Something About Mary is a genius film and a necessary political statement on censorship. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I'm on board with the review, but I do want to uh, read it. Uh, it's lucky that directors Peter and Bobby Farrelly don't need a federal grant to make movies. 
given the latest Supreme Court ruling requiring decency in federally funded arts, the Farrelly brothers wouldn't get a dime for their Something About Mary, an indecently funny sex farce with something to offend every special interest group. Uh, There's Something About Mary is sensational, sicko fun, you won't believe your eyes, and it's just the thing to shake up the creeping conservatism that is draining the vulgar life out of pop culture. Seinfeld is castigated for ethnic slurs, a Chinese opera is labeled pornographic, Catholics protest an as-yet-unstaged play about a gay Jesus, handicaps are taboo for teasing, classic screen gross-outs like the springtime for Hitler number in Mel Brooks' The Producers, or the crucifixion song in Monty Python's Life of Brian seem unthinkable now. Our only fear is fear of giving offense, but the Farrelly brothers don't scare easily. Uh, not only do they give offense to the PC police, but they revel in doing so. Um, so this is stupid. <laughs> this, is, this is dumb. Uh, hang on. Uh, there's something about Mary recalls a time when slipping on a banana peel was something to guffaw at without guilt. Shock comedy, the cathartic kind that snaps us into an awareness of cultural hypocrisy, is thriving in the deviant hearts of the Farrelly brothers, and boy... Do we need it now? Okay, so a couple things. Uh, one, <laughs> one, cum in the hair is not slipping on a banana peel. That is a no. different. That is a different joke. It is funny for a different reason, and also I would argue that maybe it's not always funny. Yeah, uh, is that funny? <laughs> funny for a different reason. You're 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 violating a different. Um, taboo with that and and you know it's it, it, there's a difference between a pratfall and seeing cum on the camera like that's that's different and yeah. also that that in turn is different from the springtime for hitler scene in the producers the reason the springtime for hitler scene is funny is not just because it's so ridiculous and over the top it's because of the commitment to the actual musical number yeah. Like, it's actually, like, a, a well-staged and produced musical number uh, in the film and, of course, in the Broadway musical. And then also you see the audience's, like, horrified reaction throughout the whole thing. And that's the funniest part of the goddamn thing. Right. Don't tell—don't come in my hair and tell me it's raining. Like, this is <laughs> not— <laughs> This is not the same thing. I think there's, like I said, I, I, I think they were trying to do something and they uh, they accomplished what they set out to do. It's not to my personal taste, but let's not pretend this is the groundbreaking, redefining, com- although it did influence quite a few films, but this wasn't like a new new phase where people learned how to laugh a different way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Anyway, I th- sorry, I had to get that out of my system. That's fine. I I still don't understand where you're coming from when you say <laughs> that they were trying to accomplish something. <laughs> I don't know what they were trying to accomplish, bud. I don't I don't see what the point of the movie is. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think I I'm not I trying literally... to sound I'm not trying to sound dumb and I'm not trying to sound like an asshole but like just objectively speaking you know i i just don't know what the point of the movie is at all no i understand i don't i think story-wise there is no point i think it's it's just to string together a bunch of cum jokes i think that's exactly what it is i think it's literally it could have worked as a episode of a sketch series like i yeah I, i think that's it okay 
Okay, well, I guess that makes more sense. That makes mm. me feel less um, upset. <laughs> That's for sure. It should, as I said, it should not have been two hours. Should no. have been ninety. Should have been ninety minutes on the nose. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's. I I kind of want to pitch a different <laughs> version of this where you have Matt Dillon with the tiny mustache, who stalks her. And then he plays himself as like a twin, trying okay, to, to trick her. I would watch her. that movie. Yeah, he's like trying to trick her. He doesn't have the tiny mustache. And it's still called It's Something About Mary. It's still a love story, but it's about how she discovers that he's a piece of shit. And then she does end up with Brett Favre. I could understand that. I think because we have that third prong of Ben Stiller and the orgy scene and all that other stuff, which I understand is supposed to be the funny sketch stuff. But if we want to make it a story that's a cohesive story and you want people to like root for somebody, because I don't root for anyone in this one, I feel like maybe if they had gone in the direction of making Matt Dillon pretending to be a twin or something, it still would have been zany and you still maybe even would have rooted for him, but or maybe rooted for Cameron Diaz even. I just, I just don't get, I just don't get it, dude. <laughs> I think she should have ended up with Brett Favre, but at the same time, I think Brett Favre got in trouble for sending dick pics to people like much later in life. Wait, he did? Uh, yeah, um, that was after he like went to the Vikings and stuff. Oh. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. Um, so that also has an generally, folks. If you have an NFL quarterback as like one of the top eight build actors in your film, it's probably not going to be perfect. <laughs> Although Dan Marino was pretty good in his return. <laughs> Dan Marino, I mean, both of their roles were relatively small. Yeah, but Dan Marino had a lot more to chew on. <laughs> it, it's interesting. Yeah. I guess, yeah, anyway, I found some Common Sense Media reviews. Uh, well, I'm sure they didn't have any strong feelings about this film. That was my personal review, I guess, which was, I just don't get it. The Unfortunately, the Common Sense Media reviews were really thin. They weren't, they were, I had to go through, I think there were only 17 adult reviews and 19 kid reviews, and a lot of it just said that they say the fuck word a lot. They do. Yeah, but I, I got the best of them. They're not great, but here we go. User Chris LP wrote, this was hysterical and has a good teen movie message. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this movie yesterday and I laughed all the way through it. And also, I liked the relationship between the two main characters, Ted and Mary. The movie sells the message that there is a difference between love and obsession and also, it shows that it is good to know somebody before dating them. I guess maybe that is what they meant. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, 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 that's a stretch. Yeah. I give this movie an on rating for its good message and also must stress the fact that this is a romantic comedy for persons age 15 or older because of its moderate sexual humor and strong language. And this is where this user lists off every single swear word and how many times we hear them so <laughs> this movie consists of 40 uses of fuck 27 uses of shit nine uses of slang for a penis such as dick cock and prick well Sin don't group those together <laughs> tell me which is which <laughs> 17 uses of hell 10 uses of ass five uses of damn 
four uses of son of a bitch, two uses of crap, five times God's name was used as a curse, five times Jesus's name was used as a curse, two uses of oh God, two uses of Christ, one use of goddamn, one use of oh Christ, one use of oh Jesus, one use of for God's sake, and one use of Jesus Christ. I'm just imagining a Tumblr post titled 10 Uses of Ass. <laughs> I'm imagining a Tumblr post in the uh, account, Your Fave is Problematic. There's something about Mary. <laughs> uh, that was my favorite review. There's two more. One from an 11-year-old kid. Oh, boy. He says, one sentence, This is the best Ben Stiller movie out there. You get to see titties, but there is too much swearing. You get to see tw- you get to see titties, but there's too <laughs> but, much swearing. But you gotta pay the price, man. You gotta <laughs> listen to all that swearing. You know, the, I think the titties that he's talking about are the old lady titties because he. I don't think see... it's the only only titties in the film. Yeah. <laughs> titties. I'll tell you what. I'll bleep. I'll bleep out titties, but I'm leaving cripple in. <laughs> okay, last one. He says. Uh, I was certainly mature enough for this movie when I was 14, and I think most children are. It does contain two scenes of explicit sexuality, and there is a scene of drug use, but nothing terrible. Brett Favre also makes an appearance. Do you want your child's role model to be a football player? (laughs) That's the last sentence! Like, were they... Where they did someone else start a conversation with them while they were writing it, and they like got distracted, <laughs> and they're just like, "Ah, fuck! I'm just gonna post." I it. loved that one. That was a great one. The one with the listing of the swear words, though, and the, just what is a swear word? I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> oh Christ! Oh Jesus! For God's uh, sake! Yeah, I mean it's all subjective, but uh, crap. Yeah, again, I really don't think. I think you should separate out the different terms for penis. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to go back and watch it again and write them all down. Yeah. Well, that'll be our next episode, folks, where we cover... (laughs) There's something about Mary part two. The number of swears. No, uh, you know, I think we kind of covered our final thoughts already, Nadia, but any any last-minute final thoughts? I will never watch this again. Okay. I think I uh, do remember possibly starting this movie with my parents and then the dick and the zipper happened and i was ushered out of the room yeah it sounds about right vague vague memory of that but uh i i never knew anybody who said this was their favorite movie and i understand why uh my final thoughts uh there were a lot of kids in my junior high that around this time would run around at each other uh run around each other and and yell uh, at each other have you seen my baseball no no uh i finally learned where uh that is from it's from this movie uh so folks it's streaming for free on imdb (laughs) tv uh probably no need to watch it i'm gonna say and also statistically you've already seen it (laughs) (laughs) also if you guys don't mind our beautiful listeners please reply to our instagram facebook or twitter feeds and explain to me what the point of this movie is because i don't fucking get it (laughs) (laughs) uh probably shoulda is the name of the accounts at facebook instagram and twitter uh please uh rate and review us 
using your favorite podcast app. Uh, we got one episode left in the season, folks, so we will see you for the season finale next week. Yay! Bye, guys!